Hello, friends, and welcome to the Nugget Climbing Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Dimmitt, and I'm publishing a follow-up episode today in place of a normal episode for a couple of reasons. First one being that yesterday was my birthday, and I didn't get a normal episode done because I was off on an adventure. It was super fun. We went over to the Italian side of the Swiss Alps and rented a motorboat and cruised around a lake and went swimming, had some amazing food. It was a great time. Um, And the other reason is because this follow-up is with Hazel Finley, and we talked about a course she is launching one week from today. So this way, you guys will get a chance to listen to this episode and decide if you want to jump on the early bird waitlist and hopefully snag a spot for Hazel's course. Her new course is called Performance Hacks. We talked about what the goal of Performance Hacks is in this episode and who it's for. And Hazel shared her top three hacks for you guys. So I'm gonna share all of that for free. And then for patrons, for you guys who support the show, we continued talking and I asked Hazel for some recommendations for me on my project here in Magicwood. We talked on Thursday morning last week and I ended up going out and trying my project Octopussy, an eight-day boulder here in Magicwood later that day. So it was really fun to hear some of Hazel's recommendations for me when it comes to optimizing my focus for the climb. And I ended up sending. So if you guys want to hear more about Octopussy in my process and some of Hazel's recommendations for me and get a discount for her performance hacks course, all of that is available for patrons who support the show for $5 per month. But yeah, this teaser is free. So I hope you enjoy this deep dive into the mental side of performance with Hazel Finley. Hi, Hazel. Yeah, long time no see. Yeah, it has been a while. Yeah. You're back home in the UK? Sorry, yeah, I'm just going to adjust this. Sure. Yeah, I am. And it's absolutely boiling. So if it's dark in here, it's because I've got like all the windows closed because I'm like, um, the sun is, is pretty bad. Um, it's that you tricky look chilly, though. Where are you? I look what? What was the word you used? Like chilly. Like, chilly. Like you've got a jumper on, a sweater. Yeah, I, I wish. I mean, it's 11 o'clock in the morning and it's probably the coolest morning we've had so far i'm in switzerland i'm in magicwood right now oh yeah and uh as you likely know yeah conditions here are tricky i've never been to magicwood oh you never have okay no i've been to chichino and chironico but um yeah i mean it is june in europe June in Europe, I know. Should, yeah, should have been there two two months ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got, <laughs> we got here a month ago, and it was cooler. But um, I think Magic Wood, the crux of Magic Wood, is it's either raining or kind of warm. You know, when it's reliably right. dry, it's it's just getting a little bit warm. So, but yeah, yeah, I mean, there's um there's kind of this amazing thing in the forest where there's like apparently frozen ice underground under some of the boulders and no at the base of some of the boulders it's almost like there's air conditioning like you feel this Whoa, cold air coming out of these cool. holes it's it's really neat so that helps but but yeah we've got a nice yeah. uh a nice day today and i'm gonna go try to send my project later and uh i'd love to get some recommendations from you i think that'd be a fun thing to kind of cap our conversation with 
um, after yeah. we talk about some performance hacks. But yeah, first things first, do you want to tell me just what's going on with you in general? Uh, yeah, that's such yeah, a that's such a bad it. question. I'm sorry. <laughs> such an I, mean, I don't know what to start, but yeah. So I've been working pretty hard on this performance hacks course. Um, that's kind of taken up most of my attention recently. But I've been from my from climbing perspective, I've mostly been bouldering actually. Um, but I'm I'm maybe I'm maybe getting ready for a um, a change. I don't know. I'm actually in a, like a, um, yeah, in terms of climbing, I'm a little bit of a, like, Hmm, don't know what I'm psyched for. Mm. You know, when you get those, you get those stages in your climbing where you're like, Hmm, but I've got a trip to the States in the fall. Um, I haven't been to the States in ages. And so like whole kind of like desert road trip, Yosemite trip. Nice. So sort of work, working towards that. Um, but not sure yet about what sort of intermediary goals might be on the way. Are you planning that trip around specific climbs or goals that you have or, or no? Well, a little bit, um, but no, I mean, it, it, it would be nice to have more specific goals. So that's kind of what I'm working on yeah. right now. Okay. Um, but it's interesting because I'm going with my partner, Angus, and he, I've done a lot um of climbing in the states and the places where we're going and he's not done much and so like the things that i might want to do might not be you know it's that classic thing of just trying to get your goals to align yeah. like on l cap for example i'm kind of running out of routes that are like the right challenge level for me and the one route that i would do is the only route that he's done on <laughs> yeah <laughs> so gotcha. it's just like hmm <laughs> gotcha yeah, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Challenging. I just had this thought when you when you mentioned bouldering. I think something that I've noticed working for myself and building the podcast is that I kind of tend to default to bouldering more and more. Do you feel like it just works more easily with the work that you do? I, I feel like it's hard yeah. to sport climb. Um, sport climbing just takes up so much more time. It's hard to immerse we'll, myself. We'll try in... British trad climbing. <laughs> yeah. yeah no bolted belays, walking off every climb. Mm. Like it's total. You, you guys don't have this word faff, do you? But like, it's a, it's a really good word for describing like all of the sort of, do you say faff? faff no, we don't. I like it though. It's such a good word. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the equivalent I, is. But... I think I understand the context of it. It's like, um, Maybe, maybe the closest thing I've heard that we say is fuckery. Like there's a lot yeah. of fuckery involved. Or <laughs> yeah, it's like that. Yeah. And it's, it's just like, there's lots of like superfluous activity mm. that's not that enjoyable or valuable that's inherent in the task, like it's unavoidable. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just like all, sorting all the gear, the ropes, the reading the guidebook, and then like you get lost on the routes because like no one climbs them and the guidebook decision is really bad. And then you can't just lower off at an anchor. You have to walk down. So it's really bad. And then round here, the bolt, I think the bouldering is just a lot more classic and high quality than the sport climbing. Mm. So that's the other reason why I might choose bouldering over sport climbing. Like I think the best stuff around here is either bouldering or trad. So if I don't have much time, I just default to bouldering. Oh, I see. Yeah, it makes sense. And, and also like bouldering's kind of my weakest area as a climber. So it's also like from a kind of mastery learning perspective, like it feels really valuable for me to do it. Mm. 
And it was really interesting yesterday. So I've had like some weird finger tweaks and like all kinds of injuries over the last year, which is which is also played into like not knowing how to pick goals and things. But like I just did a fingerboard test, you know, like the testing session on the crimped app that you can do. And my fingers have never been as strong as they are right now. Oh, wow. Just from And I haven't going out fingerboarded and... in a year. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just like bouldering is just great for like bouldering is king shape. Yeah. yeah no as I, long as you don't get injured it is just the best form of training <laughs> because you're also just so great for movement skills as well mm, yeah totally no i feel the same way i feel like whenever i get busy um in training or or my normal climbing schedule goes out the window or gets pushed to the side if i can just fit in two short bouldering sessions per week i can kind of maintain at least indefinitely with that schedule. I can just mm -hmm. kind of keep things like ticking over and move things down the road until I can get in like a more uh, consistent flow again. So yeah, <clears throat> bouldering is king. Dave McLeod said it. Yeah. He's a smart <laughs> yeah. guy, turns out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, um, it's great to be talking to you again. And I'm excited about today's topic because, um, because I'm very intrigued. I got an email from you about your new course that you're launching with StrongMind. And um, performance hacks is just such a such an attractive title for the course. I'm like, ooh, I want all I want all the secrets. I want all the tips. You know, I, I want to be awesome like Hazel. So um, I'm very excited to dig into some of the top hacks and then to hear more about the course and what people can expect if they sign up for it. Um, performance is synonymous with focus. That's a line that I just read in your newsletter that you put out for the new course. Do you want to start there? Um, I'd be curious to hear how you think about that performance being synonymous with focus because performance feels like this huge lofty umbrella that covers so many things. Um, I'm curious if it really is that simple, if we can distill performance down to focus. And then what's the goal here? You know, whether it be for your performance hacks course for people who decide to sign up or just for the people listening today who are excited to hear your top three performance hacks What's the goal and who is this for? Yeah, so I, I guess the goal is, is really similar to your question about whether performance is synonymous with focus. So obviously you can think about like your physical performance and your techni the technical aspects of your performance. But if you're not completely focused in the moment, you'll never be able to optimize your technique and your physical attributes and even if you like really really maximize those areas it but you you climbed in a state where you were distracted that you can never call that a good performance mm. so it really hangs on what our attention what our mind how our body is working in the moment and that's all dependent on where our attention is are we focused are we not and, you know, one of the first hacks that I was going to go through was to track yourself on what we call a performance scale, but it's really like a psychological state scale running from choking, which you might've heard of. I don't know. Have you heard of choking? choking? Yeah. In sports psychology. Yeah. Choking being like, um, you're, you're all prepared. I think of it in the context of like the Olympics, you know, like an Olympic gymnast who's expected to do amazing they're in top form. Um, they've got an amazing coach. Everything's lined up. And then they just kind of botch their performance on the important day. 
they just perform way below their expected level. Yeah, exactly. But it's not just low performance. It's, it's a, a psychological and physiological state. Hmm. So, and it's, it's usually in high pressure environments, but it's, um, it's when like, it's worse than being distracted. It's actually tipping into like, um, not being able to perform tasks that should be really simple for you. Um, so it might have happened to you, like, um, like a, a classic example for me is like, I'm, I really hate being like tested in a climbing setting. Like loads of people get this in like their lead test in the gym or something like that. When people are watching you in this, like, it's weird cause I can climb in front of other people. But for example, like I did like this basic, like instructor kind of test thing and like having just someone watch me tie a figure of eight, something that you do really like absentmindedly then basically you get into this like overthinking and so like in dual theory of mind it's called system two which is like our conscious thinking mind whereas when we perform well we want to be in system one which is like our unconscious uh, unconscious like fast um system that's like high capacity we would call like, that like autopilot we want to be on autopilot kind of yeah yeah and so basically when you bring that kind of like overthinking um like mind to something that you should or you usually can do very easily you can slip into that different system and that's where choking happens basically and it, it happens in sport all the time like if you watch sport you know where where someone just has to do like a really easy um shoot in basketball for example and they just a, a shot that they would get like a hundred times out of a hundred and they don't do it mm. that's choking so it's more than just being a bit distracted so that's sort of like like maybe the the worst end of the scale and then we move through like distraction and then we might get to presence where we're like present in the moment but we're not necessarily like focused on the task and then we move through to focus and then we move through to one of two states clutch or flow so flow is like really well-researched flow state. And then clutch is this other concept that's definitely less well-researched, but I find that climbers really relate to this state, which is that kind of more try-hard state. Mm. So flow is characterized by this kind of um, like perceived effortlessness, despite the challenge being really high. You know, those like those roots or boulders where you just flow up them on it doesn't even have to be a send go. And that's the thing. We actually separate our psychological state of performance from the outcome itself. And that's kind of one of the one of the key hacks here is to start actually tracking performance based on how focused you were, how far along that state scale you were. Because that's what we're aiming for, right? If we want to optimize performance, then we want to move, have more of our climbing happen further along that scale. Um so yeah, flow is like that effortlessness, floaty kind of like automaticity, right? Where everything just works and you're like totally in synchronicity and all the rest of it. And then clutch is like, clutch is those like, I'm worthy, mm. try hard. Like you're on, you're off and you just hold on and you're like snatching for the next hold. And then, and you get to the top and you're like completely exhausted, but like, it was also amazing. <laughs> so that's the thing is that like, not, not all climbers can relate to having like their top performances be that kind of flowiness. 
So that's why we've included clutch, because I think those two states are both really valuable and can yield really high performances, uh, peak performances. So that's why we include, included both of them. But if you speak to a flow researcher, they're like, well, flow is the optimal state of functioning. So that's what we want to aim for. But I feel like if you don't resonate to, with that as much and you really enjoy being in those try-hard states, then it's kind of nice to have clutch in there as well. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. It's it's interesting um, to hear you differentiate those two. I've, this is the first I've heard of clutch put into that language, but I immediately connect with it. And I've told this story a, a, you know many times on the podcast, so apologies to people if it's annoying to hear it again, but... It, re- it reminds me so much of my top two routes that I did at Smith Rock before I moved, like my two hardest routes, both 8B. Um, one was Vicious Fish. It was like the quintessential flow experience. I just floated up the route. You know, I had like three hung it. I hadn't even one hung it. And I just had this like effortless try where everything clicked. And I got to the top and I was like, I'm not even that pumped. Like what just happened, you know? And then my other one uh, was a route in the aggro goalie called Crime Wave. And it was a battle to the death and like a super gnarly fight to get to every rest and every rest kind of like sucks and gets, every rest is like worse than the one before it, but the climbing gets easier the higher you go. So you're just kind of like staying in that borderline, (laughs) you know, totally boxed mode for the whole time. And I felt like I was going to puke at the top and I've like never screamed louder on a red point. Um, It's kind of perfect. Like one is the quintessential flow and one is the quintessential clutch experience yeah yeah that's two great descriptions of both of those experiences and it's interesting because you asked what are the outcomes so the sort of the tangible outcomes of the course are like you know you you improve as a climber so like maybe you send your project maybe you climb a harder grade um you know there's those sorts of outcomes um but the sort of like the deeper outcome is to sort of be in those states more often Um, and then what's interesting is that often with the people I coach around performance is like they start off because they want to be in wanting to be in those states in order to improve their performance in order to have more of those outcomes climb a harder grade climb their project whatever but when they start to explore those psychological states they're like huh, maybe I actually choose these goals and these outcomes in climbing in order to access those states. Mm. And then that's a really good mindset to have um, for performance. And it was interesting when you described those two experiences because your face really lit up. Like you could see like the energy there and you're like, huh, I wonder if like that's why we do it, you know? And actually like – then when you start to think, when you start to value your experience in that way and you start to value the state that you're in, it becomes this really cool win-win situation where not only are you in these like more enjoyable, like super memorable states more often, but they also yield like really peak performances like climbing harder grades and your project or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. It's, and it's, it's fun to think that, or to realize like, I don't value one of those over the other. Like they're two of my most special sends couldn't be more different. You know, that's, that's really interesting as well. Yeah. They're both really enjoyable, right? They're yeah. both really memorable. And um, so that's why we kind of, we actually, you know, we put clutch, sorry, we put flow as like more optimal on the scale, but it's really just balanced. 
and that's largely just because of what flow research says but mm, yeah yeah you could totally like if you just really love trying hard and that's like your favorite thing to do then you could have like what you're aiming for on that scale to be more of those clutch dates if you wanted yeah okay so going back to your your first performance hack being um using a diagram or a chart to kind of measure where you're at what does that look like for people listening like how can they start to identify where they might be on the spectrum that you just described yeah so in the course we have it's just a really simple scale running from choking to flow and we just describe what those states feel like so it's really getting yourself to track your performance by actually like analyzing your experience as well as the outcome so we have this tendency as climbers to just go well i performed well if i sent and i didn't perform well if i didn't send but that's just not like that doesn't characterize a performance right you could perform really well like you could be in flow or clutch but you just aren't quite ready to send yet. Mm. So we, we want to start sort of detaching those outcomes from your actual psychological state that you're in when you're performing. And in like a simple way is like if you just journal and you track like other things in your climbing, like like some of those outcomes, you know, like what climbs you did on a given day or whatever, um, to also just track like um, what state you're in. You know, like if and if you if you figure out like, oh, I'm, I'm actually just like kind of distracted um, a lot of the time, then you know that your psychology is limiting you in climbing. Whereas if you're like, hmm, I, was, I feel like I was really focused on all of those attempts, then maybe it's not so limiting for you. But it also builds like just in doing that, you're building a lot of self-awareness around the state that you're in when you're climbing, which is also really useful. Yeah. Do you find that most people when they do this, are they kind of consistently somewhere on the spectrum or do people bounce all around on the spectrum? Yeah, I think actually usually, usually people bounce. Um, but yeah, there, there can be defaults as well. Um, and I probably have like a little bit of a biased assessment of this because obviously people come to my coaching mm. probably because they've noticed them more on the distracted end of the spectrum. Um, but what's really cool about it as well, and, um, you know, m maybe it's useful to actually run through the structure of the course because it's laid out quite nicely conceptually. But basically, when you start tracking your performance, you learn what I would call kind of barriers and gateways to performance. So what are some of the things um, that are like distractions? So they're barriers to performance. So... Um, you know, for for example, like one of the hacks I was going to talk about today um, was motivation. So motivation can be a gateway to performance or it can be a barrier, depending on what those motivations are. Or, for example, expectations. Having certain expectations around a performance can be a real barrier or overthinking or fear or um, like external motivations, like so social validation, something like that. They can be real barriers to performance. Um, and then gateways to performance, you know, like being confident, being present and being intrinsically motivated, um, being positive. These are these are gateways to performance. So when you start to track, you start to learn, hmm, well, I felt like this on this day and I kind of like was thinking about the performance in these ways on this day. And my mindset looked like this. 
So that that kind of like correlates with like more distracted performances. Whereas on uh, when I do this, this, and this, that correlates with um, more focused performances. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You hear that so often, right? Like I being on a trip right now, kind of coming towards the end. I have like a week and a half, almost two weeks left. I'm like starting to feel a little bit of that pressure, you know, coming down to the wire. There's like a little bit more weight behind each climbing day and each each time pulling on the wall. And it just reminds me of that story you hear so often where as the pressure builds, like people have so many thoughts and things running through their head. And then there's that moment of like release where they accept failure and they just let it all go and they stop caring. And then they're just free to enjoy the route. And then they send the route and it's just this amazing thing. Um, it's kind of the classic story that's been told on the podcast many, many times. Um, yeah, but what's, what's interesting, I actually did a podcast recently with Emily Harrington and she said the exact same thing. Like there has to be this struggle phase and then she detaches herself. So attachment is one of uh, the, a big barrier to, to, to uh, flow and, and performance. And so, but what's interesting is when you really work on your mindset and your psychology, you don't have to have that struggle phase. You can mm. preempt it. And it means that you, instead of having like that one golden day, your whole trip is a series of golden days mm. because you don't need to be in the struggle phase. <laughs> um, so that's what's cool about it when you actually kind of work on it a bit. That's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's exciting. Um, okay, we've covered one performance hack. Do you have a couple more to share? Yeah, so it's quite, it was quite hard to kind of like select um ones and because a lot of the course that kind of like feeds feeds in but um the second one I chose was to optimize your motivation so so you, your motivators are like the reasons why you go climbing in general but also why you pick particular goals particular climbs and there's so much research to suggest that intrinsic motivators are like way more powerful than extrinsic. Should I explain the difference between them? Sure. Yeah, I think I think it's I think people will be familiar, but yeah, maybe a quick review. Yeah, so so basically just like intrinsic motivators are when like the rewards are contained within the experience and the challenge itself, whereas extrinsic motivators are when the like the rewards or the punishments, I'm doing like bunny ears around punishments, are um happen like after the fact. So like the classic one in climbing is like, you know, if you, if you pick a goal, you're extrinsically motivated if like you want to have done the climb, right? So if you, if you want the kind of like feeling of success and maybe the social validation and the feeling of like um, maintaining your reputation as a climber or whatever, like if, if that's kind of what you're after, that's an extrinsic reward. Whereas intrinsic rewards are like, contained within the process so like time on the wall like having those flow or clutch experiences they're intrinsic motivators and so it can be easy in sports psychology to kind of like demonize extrinsic motivators because they can be really distracting so like basically if you put too much weight and value on those extrinsic motivators you're you're less likely to be present with the process of a particular goal or climb um, because your mind's kind of like thinking ahead to these rewards, right? Um, but in reality, like it's it's it, they don't have to be bad. Like as long as basically as long as you've got enough intrinsic motivation, where you kind of 
really value the whole process as well as the end and the outcome that's usually like a good balance basically like we don't need to work towards completely removing extrinsic rewards but but we want to optimize and maximize our intrinsic motivators um so it could be helpful for people to kind of like write down the reasons like why they love climbing and it's not and and when i say love climbing i mean like the actual moments when you're on the rock like what are the most joyful like what did what really got you hooked on the sport in the first place and if you can like bring them to front of mind before a performance and maybe you have like a list written down with those extrinsic intrinsic motivators it can be really powerful to put you in the right place for a performance and what you're really doing when you do that is like you're connecting to your passion for climbing which makes you feel like really light and positive and present and connected to what you're doing whereas when you really focus on the outcome and like okay will i send will i not like oh what's going to happen if i don't then you're really like connecting to those extrinsic potential punishments or those extrinsic potential rewards and it takes you away from where you are in that moment mm. so so much of what we do in the course is to try to put your mind into the right place for a performance and to not have kind of big distractions um present within your psychology. Mhm. Yeah. To share my own like thoughts that come to mind as you describe those those extrinsic and intrinsic motivators. I'm like applying that to to the project that I'm going to try later today, Octopussy, this 8A boulder here in Magic Wood and um just to give to paint more of a picture for people or to share my own experience my intrinsic motivation would be it's a beautiful boulder it's one of my favorite hard boulders that i've ever tried it's just got a really wide variety of moves there's a lot of subtlety and power and it's a really satisfying one to climb really well once you've learned all the little secrets and i love the feeling of climbing it well and i love i love trying things that are challenging for me so those would be the the intrinsic motivators but then there are these um, extrinsic motivators there as well that aren't weighing too heavily on me. But of course, you know, there's a little bit of like, I've been trying this thing for like seven days. And what are, what are people going to think who listen to the podcast? If I try this a day in magic wood and don't send it in six weeks, cause that's a long time, you know? And, um, yeah, th things along those lines, like the, the pressure that I can kind of put on myself mm -hmm. thinking about other people's perception, thinking about, you know, all the time I could have spent on other things if I don't send it, you know, that sunk cost thing, things like that. So they're, they're, it's interesting to kind of think about that. Like they're definitely both there. And I think for me, I just want to climb on the boulder. It doesn't feel like an obligation or a chore. Um, there's a little bit of like clocking in for sessions, you know, because I have had quite a few sessions on it now, but I still want to go try it and I want to climb it. Um, I want to climb on it. So um, yeah, it's, it's interesting that there's both there and that that's okay. Cause I think my intuition would be that we should be trying to completely get rid of the extrinsic motivators and be very monk-like, you know, in our approach to mm -hmm. trying to, to climb hard. Yeah. I, d I don't think, I mean, <clears throat> you know, the real, the real litmus test there would be if you felt like it was a chore and if you felt like it was an obligation, I would say then that the extrinsics are outweighing the intrinsics. Um, 
but you can do work on your mindset to either maximize the intrinsics or to try to remove the extrinsics depending on which you think is most valuable for you so like reminding yourself that you know your follow your followers probably don't care (laughs) you send it or not or that like you know they're interested in your journey um like they're interested in the successes and the failures or that um you know, so you can you can do a bit of work to kind of like minimize those extrinsics. One 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 way to also classify these two is to say that they're like more fear based, whereas like your your intrinsics, what what I would call like passion based, so or like love based. So they're like, and another way to classify it as well is like they're the things that pull you towards the boulder, whereas those extrinsics are when you feel like you're pushed towards the boulder so that's a like a little way to tell them apart as well um so yeah you're, you're right we don't have to get rid of them all and actually like like in some cases it's like more motivators that are present and the merrier but there's also like individual difference there and like some people kind of like do well under pressure with a bit of extrinsic like usually really good competitors do well with a bit of that extrinsic motivation it like yields really good performances but for some people, they really don't do well with it at all. And it can even cause them to like totally back away from the challenge altogether. So it's also about building self-awareness and being aware of actually what's a good balance for you personally, not what's a good balance because you've been told it's a good balance. Mm-hmm. Um, can you hear the bells, by the way? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought this might happen. So every day at 1130... Um, we're in this little village called Andir, which is like eight minutes from Magic Wood. Every day at 1130, the bells go nuts for like five minutes and we still have no idea why. Like, we don't know what they mean. Um, anyway, so. Kind of religious thing. Yeah, know. probably. <laughs> I'll, I'll edit around it, obviously. It'll be fine, but it's just kind of funny. Um, tough podcasting conditions here in Magic Wood. Yeah. <laughs> it's like people are constantly doing yard work. There's goats with bells right across the... <laughs> the way the bells go crazy anyway okay um should we talk about your third performance hack and then we can kind of talk more about the course in general um when you're launching what people can expect if they sign up and things along those lines and then we can wrap up uh, maybe just for patrons we can get into octopussy uh the project i'm trying and recommendations that you might have for me but yeah do you have a, a third one yeah so the third so the, the the previous hack we did was um was I mean it was sort of a gateway and a barrier in a way but um maximizing your intrinsic motivators is like a gateway to performance and then this third hack is like about removing a potential barrier to performance which is expectations so um expectations can often be a barrier to performance when basically there's a gap between how you expect to perform and how you actually perform and there can be different reasons for why that gap is there and the two broad categories are either that you misjudged yourself or you misjudged the challenge and the hack is basically um sorry yeah and then i should say that again like extrinsic motivators it's not that we want to remove expectations altogether we can work like in that direction a bit like I actually um often perform really well with like 
almost no expectations but it's a bit of a tall order right mm. to just have like no expectations around how you perform and what's interesting and there's a, there's a bit of a fine line between expectations and confidence which maybe we can get into if, if you want but um basically it's your response that's important so when your expectations or when your performance doesn't meet your expectations in a negative way is usually when it's most distracting so you underperform in relation to your expectations it's your response to that which is important and if you respond in a way where you put way too much weight on that then you basically you become really negative distracted and you often kind of like remove yourself from the challenge so for example like if you're trying a boulder that like should okay so as soon as you say should that's usually an expectation right so you can just think of all the times when you're like should 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 so say you're trying a boulder and you're like huh i should be able to do this grade really quickly and you don't if we respond in a kind of in a um, suboptimal way to that basically we like close off from the challenge we don't usually stay open to finding solutions we're not positive about it we might even give up so the hack is really to take expectations lightly and what can help you do that is to realize that it's really easy to misjudge either your ability or your the challenge because climbing is really really complex and really challenging and often we create expectations around certain grades and grades are not the same thing as the challenge itself mm. so and and lots of climbers learn this through trial and error over the years right when they're just given evidence again and again and again that like grades can feel either easy or hard um but like the hack is to kind of shortcut that and to just make a real point of taking ex expectations lightly and be flexible because it's those rigid expectations that become barriers to performance especially when you're rigid around grades or around past performances mm -hmm. yeah that all makes sense <clears throat> it's one of the reasons i'm i'm so grateful that i did a lot of my early climbing in leavenworth washington because i remember <laughs> as like a v7 climber or something i would you know i'd have my projects and whatnot and then i would still i would have these days where i didn't want to go try the hard thing and i would go to a new boulder i'd never been to before and just want to like check all the boxes in the guidebook you know like maybe it was a boulder i'd never been to that was like a collection of climbs v3 and under and it happened so many times where i wouldn't be able to do it you know there'd be some v3 or some v2 that would shut me down and i'd be like what the like okay you know sometimes v2 is really hard sometimes you're just not going to be able to do all the things um i've kind of carried that with me ever since like you just never know and of course i sometimes slip into i should be able to do this grade quickly but yeah i, th I think that i think i learned that lesson pretty deeply early on just based on where i climbed which i and and then smith rock taught me the same thing like <laughs> very deeply you know like just because it's 510 or 511 doesn't mean you're going to be able to onsite it you know it just doesn't always happen so um yeah and then I'm, I'm thinking of like how you respond to that you know it's if you try a hard climb and it shuts you down and you or you try a climb that you feel as though you ought to be able to do quickly and it shuts you down one response might be god i suck or this climb is stupid you know this this climb's stupid i suck at this style whatever it is and you just kind of move on from it or you don't take it you don't respect it you don't take it as seriously as you need to to be able to 
do it. You just kind of throw yourself at it, you know, rapid fire in frustration and, and walk away empty handed versus like, oh, I would think that I'd be able to do this quickly and I'm really struggling. Like what's going on here? You know, what, what can I learn from this climb? What is it about this that's hard for me? And you start to get curious and then all of a sudden that's like a, an amazing opportunity, right? Like this climb totally. is either going to teach me something or help me identify something in my climbing that I can work on in general. Um, or maybe it's just not for me and that's okay too. And, um, it was, it was interesting to discover that, you know? Totally. Yeah. That's actually, uh, the third hack associated with expectations. So well well done, Stephen. It's basically like, um, you know, being objective around why there's a gap can be really helpful. And that's what like proper athletes do, right? They go and chat to their coach and they're like, well, why is there this gap? Um, can I learn something from it? Um, um, but I think what's cool is, um, you know, when, when people take that gap and they actually really use it to motivate themselves in a positive way as well, um, rather than kind of like disengaging from the challenge. Um, and another way I quite like to, to, um, respond to these gaps in expectations and performance is actually like maintaining like a healthy and humble respect for the difficulty of climbing. And I think you were kind of doing that when you were like describing those problems in level worth, but like, you know, when, when we feel like we should be able to do something, we're not really like respecting the challenge of climbing as well in a way, you know, like climbing such a challenging sport and like, maybe it's better to think that we're like never above it, you know, mm -hmm. like, like sort of maintain this like humble attitude to be like, um, well, th this is a really hard sport and like, you know, anything could happen. And, um, like, isn't it cool that like climbing keeps throwing me these curveballs? <laughs> you know, yeah. just when I think that I'm like mastering this thing and then I'm just like, oh, no way, I can't do it. Mm. Um, like we also can like just be humble, um, in, in respect to those situations as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's a great point. And, um, this is a little bit of a tangent, but something that just makes me think of too is <clears throat> not not only is that important for your own mindset, but that's something that's really good to be aware of when it comes to climbing with other people. Like I've I've seen this quite a few times actually here in Magicwood because there's so many strong people here. It's insane. Like if you're not climbing 8A, you kind of feel like you suck, you know, just based on like the average, um, the average capability of the people in the forest. And some people are really mature and um, really considerate. And then you see some newer climbers who are really strong. Maybe they're younger kids that come out of the gym or whatever, who don't have that maturity or experience to be self-aware when it comes to their language and how that might affect other people around them, you know? So, you know, like a young kid trying a V10 and not doing it on his second try and like shit talking himself in a way that kind of puts down everybody else there, you know, like, ah, oh, I suck. I'm so bad. Like, I can't believe I didn't do this easy climb. And it's like, well, it's yeah. 7C plus and like all these people around you are clearly like sessioning it, you know, they're not, yeah. they're not going to like try to flash it right now. They're like working on this project and it's just, yeah, I don't know, just something to be mindful of for people like respect the climb for yourself and for your own mindset, but also respect the climb for the people around you and respect that they might be having a difficult process on something. Like I've seen so yeah. many people just 
flash octopusy, you know? And, and thankfully, they're mm. mostly older, more mature climbers who aren't like immediately talking shit about how easy it is or whatever. But you do get that sometimes. And thankfully, like I've been climbing long enough that I'm like, okay, they're really strong. That's fine. You know, I'm on my own yeah. path here. But um, but sometimes you see it and it's like, ooh, <laughs> that's, that's hard to watch. Or probably I'm seeing this person uh, who's really strong, who's talking about how easy this climb is. I'm, I'm watching this other person who's like clearly struggling with it. This doesn't feel good. You know, I, I hate this situation right now. Another barrier to performance that we talk about in the course, actually, um, just like comp- how, you, how you compare yourself to others can, can, um, can definitely affect, affect your performance. Mm. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you, Hazel. Sh- should we recap those those performance hacks that you shared for everybody today? Yeah, totally. So the first one is to track your performance in terms of like the psychological state that you're in when you perform and not just the outcomes. And then you can also like set an intention to move along that scale towards states of flow and clutch. The second one is to optimize and your motivations and maximize intrinsic motivators because they're more powerful and more conducive to performance compared to extrinsic motivators, although a balance is okay. And then the third one is to um, respond in a better way to expectations, more specifically when there's a gap between your performance and expectations. And we spoke about a few hacks about that, but the first one, was to to take expectations lightly in general awesome yeah thanks again tell me more about the course um it sounds like it's launching on june 26th this episode is going to come out this monday hazel so people will have about a week to um to get on the early bird list tell me about the early bird list and the course um who it's for what they can expect all that sort of stuff yeah so we've had a lot of people say like oh there's the word performance in the name. So I don't really think that's for me because, you know, it maybe it sounds a bit elitist or something that the phrase performance, but I think it's really just for anyone who cares about their progression in the sport or about having more of those like flow and clutch experiences. So if you feel like you're often really distracted um, or you just really want to optimize what you're doing, you know, like say you're like, already optimizing your physical training and your technical movement skills um maybe it's time to think about optimizing your psychology as well and and that's and you know that that could be the case at whatever grade you're climbing like we're really not kind of elitist around particular grades or anything and it's really relevant to like people of all experience levels as well what it's not though is it's not a course on fear management so if you're distracted primarily because you're like fear you're scared to fall for example then our other courses are going to be much more relevant for you Mm. um so yeah so the course officially launches on the 26th of june but we've got this early bird wait list for people who are interested and they get access on the 25th of june so the day before um, we we often sell out with our courses, so we usually like have a wait list, and the people on that wait list will also get more information about performance psychology and the performance hacks that are in the course, and then they can kind of get like a bit more of a taste of the content and see if the course is for them or not. And um, we'll be sending we have started sending emails to people on that list, um, and so uh, yeah, you'll get a few more emails in in the week 
between when this podcast comes out and the launch the launch date um, and the course runs for six weeks so we help you through the content so there's a live Q&A every week um, and there's like support uh, forum based support within an online community as well so if you're going through the content and you're like oh I don't understand this part then you can just throw us a question as well and that's why we limit numbers mm. is just because we want to be able to support people through it awesome yeah. And we've been talking a lot about performance in the context of bouldering in this conversation because I'm on a bouldering trip right now, but I assume it's for all climbers. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Well, I will link to strong mind and where people can learn more about performance hacks. And I'll link to the join the early bird list right there in your podcast app. If you scroll down, um, thanks everybody for listening. I think everything we've talked out, talked about so far, I'm going to put out for everybody in the free teaser and then I think we're going to keep talking a little bit and uh, that'll just be for patrons who support the nugget. Um, we might even be able to give a discount code for the course for, for patrons. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, we're going to give 10% off. 10% off. Okay. So that will yeah. probably, if you sign up for Patreon, you'll probably save money if you want to sign up for the course. So win-win. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Um, yeah. Thanks, Hazel. Let's, let's, uh, let's pivot. I want to talk a little bit about my project that I'm going to go try today as a way of making all this stuff a little bit more tangible and see if you have any recommendations for me. So let's kind of work our way towards that. Um, but real quickly, I want to come back to the line between expectations and confidence. I think that's really interesting. Like I was, I was thinking about going to Octopussy today and Hey friends, I hope you enjoyed that free teaser with Hazel. Once again, the full version of this episode is available right now for patrons who support The Nugget for $5 per month or more. And if you want to sign up for her performance hacks course, you can jump on the early bird waitlist. There's a link right there in your podcast app. And you can save 10% by becoming a patron of mine for just $5. So you'll actually save money by becoming a patron and listening to this full episode if you want to sign up for the course. You'll get the coupon code by listening to the rest of this interview. I mentioned this at the start of the episode, but I was able to send my project later that day after talking to Hazel. And if you want to hear more about it, I've been doing trip updates for patrons who support the show for $10 per month or more. I do regular recap episodes of my training, my life, my climbing, what's going on with me, usually about once a month. But on this trip, I'm doing them a little more often, sharing updates with you guys every couple weeks. So if you want to check those out, those are available. They're called recap episodes. You can get them by signing up for $10 per month or more. And I've also got my own personal Instagram where I tend to share more of my own climbing than I do on the Nuggets. So you can follow me at Stephen Dimmitt if you want some climbing updates over there as well. Usually it's just send videos. I don't put a ton of effort into it, but if you want to know what's going on with me, I do share some stuff on my personal Instagram. All right, I think that's it. Thanks for listening and we'll be back next week with another regular episode hope you have an amazing week and we'll see you next time Move with the